Welcome to another episode of the Dog Bone Podcast. Today, Jeremy joins Keith Hyatt on his podcast, the Houndsman XP Podcast, covering a wide variety of dog training topics, including bear dogs, hounds, retrievers, pointing dogs, all different kinds of varieties of dogs in which many of the training philosophies overlap. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Today on the journey, we're going to Wisconsin and we're going to get some some feedback and some instruction and some advice from a professional dog trainer. So we're going to have Jeremy Moore on today. And if you follow Jeremy on uh, social media, mainly Instagram, it's going to be Dog Bone Hunter. And Jeremy, Jeremy does a, um, a wide variety of training with dogs. He does shed hunting, which we are definitely going to get into today. He does um, blood tracking for wounded, wounded game. And he's also doing the retrievers and the pointers, which I think is so interesting. So we're just going to sit down and have a conversation and see what we can learn from his expertise. Jeremy, how's everything up in Wisconsin this morning? Really good, Heath. I appreciate you for having me on. We're, uh, we're in a heat spell here, so we're, it's a little, uh, little awkward, but we're going to cool off. We're going through a couple hot days, but it makes it hard for training stuff, but um, I see, I, we were talking earlier, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel here with summer. So we're going to fall is not too far off and we're seeing that a little bit. Yeah. I, so I, I just come off the river. Um, when I got up this morning before daylight, it was 70 degrees out and I'm like, man, that's, that's awful. So I went to the river, tried to get in a couple hours. I ended up, I did end up catching a muskie this morning. I, oh, I yeah. hooked one. Yeah. I hooked one. He got off before I got him to the boat. I got kind of discouraged and went on down the river and then I come back to a little spot that I know there's a pretty good uh, concentration and uh, I ended up catching another, like a 30, I don't know, 30 inch, 32 inch one. But when I come off the river at nine 30 ish, I mean, I was drenched. Yeah. I mean, drenched from the humidity. I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys have that up there, but not usually, which is kind of a blessing, but we've, we had, uh, we get these, you know, we get these warm stretches and we had a, we had one come through here this week and it gets so damn hot. And then all of a sudden it's kind of volatile and we've got a thunderstorm all of a sudden it'll pop up. And because of the moisture, um, now we got a little bit of heat too. So it's like a sauna around here, man. It's hot. Mm. So tell us a little bit about you, uh, you know, what you do. Um, you know, I know, like I said, you do, you know, you do several disciplines with the dogs. Just give us your background and tell us, you know, what, what, what dog bone hunter is about? Yeah. Um, well it's so myself, I, I'm, uh, I'm into Labrador retrievers. I've been, I, I got my first one in, it would be 2000 is when I bought, when I got my first lab. Um, my family ha has a background with some dogs, but not, not until later in my years. And we had golden retrievers. My mom actually was a, um, had a very small kennel and she, she'd raise maybe a litter every other year. Um, and, and so the retriever stuff was always kind of the, the beginning of my working with dogs. I bought that lab when I was in college. I was actually a sophomore and I, my, I had some buddies that were from Minnesota, um, big waterfall guys. And the lab was, was the dog to get at that point for me. And so I, I got a black lab and 
from there I've been, you know, I fell in love with that breed and um, I went from, and that was an American bred dog. And I, I, mm-hmm. she was, she was fantastic. She was really, um, she was very close, like style wise. She was really close to the dogs that I'm, I'm kind of into um, these days and, and started kind of in 2003, I bought a puppy um, that was out of British lines, British bred lines, field lines. And um, it fits my training style a lot better and it fits my lifestyle a lot better and it fits my hunting style a lot better. And personally, and, and so it's, it's very much a, a preference thing. And that the Labrador has been a, a, something that I've really f- fell for and then kind of just kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper into. And I, for many, many years, I've worked with um, a variety of different folks across the country with, with different lines, genetics um, and breedings. And probably I say it's been well, this, we just, I've, I'm training two puppies right now that are, that are out of our breeding. Um, and I, I, I finally decided to look at it a little bit. I think it's like, this would be out of somewhere, somehow connected to us. It'd be like our fourth, fourth generation. So we have, I haven't been breeding very long, <clears throat> but I personally, but I have really paid close attention to genetics um, to get to this point where I felt comfortable where I, and I actually felt like it was a good point where I was going to be able to get the dog that fit me the best by doing it myself. And so, but it took me a long time. It took me probably 20 years to get, um, get that where I feel pretty confident with that now. Now I, it, it took about 15 years probably to figure out what it was that I really liked. Um, and so that took, it just took me a while. And the Labradors have been my focus. I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a term out there, versatile dogs and, some people get offended by me saying this, but like, I, I really feel like if you look at the definition of the word versatility, well, there should be a picture of a lab next to it because I can do anything with them. And I think you can see that in, in society, like you see them all over doing, and, and that there's a lot of dogs that could fit that, you know, there's a lot of dogs that could be next to the word versatile. There's the term versatile dogs. And we all kind of associate that with a lot of the, the German style dogs. And I get it. Um, they have a group, you know, the NAVDA group and all that stuff. But so I don't, I don't mean to ruffle feathers with that. I just mean that my labs allowed me to do what I wanted to do, which was like you mentioned in the beginning, I, I'm a really, I was raised a hunter and um, in a hunting family and, and it consumes me and, and it's really what I, what I love in life. So to have a dog that I could do a lot of that stuff with just made sense. Um, You mentioned the pointer. Uh, I've not, I had not trained a, a pointing breed in, in up until recently. And I've got a little English setter puppy now. Um, she's going to be two in November and I'm having a blast with her. Like it's a, she's a personal dog of mine. And um, I've gotten back to some of my roots that, that I hadn't, hadn't really done um, the, from a bird, from an upland standpoint, hunting rough grouse or we call them partridge here, but um, there, I didn't do it for quite a while. Um, and I've kind of gotten back into it more recently and, and with that brought on this idea of, well, I'd really like to have a, a bird dog. And so I bought a setter and, um, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning an awful lot from her. Uh, and I think that in the end she'll, you know, I think she's going to be a real nice dog. I, I, similar to the Labradors, I've, I feel like I started with a, um, a dog that has really, really strong, 
uh, genetic traits. I, she's a dog out of a kennel called Northwoods Bird Dogs. Jerry Coulter and Betsy are the breeders. And if you, it doesn't take long to find out who they are in this little world. And um, they've got really nice dogs. And I, so I finally got one from them. And um, she's going to make me a better retriever trainer. You know, she'll, she'll make me a better uh, pointing dog trainer. That's for sure. I'm learning an awful lot from her and I, and I'll have more and I'll, I'll probably get a lot. Uh, I, I hope I'll improve as time goes on, the more dogs I, I work like that, but um, she's going to make me a better retriever trainer. She'll make me a um, better dog trainer in general. And you had mentioned, I, I don't know if you're referring to, we do these workshops. Um, mm -hmm. We do some training workshops where people will bring dogs in. So um, we do, we do, um, we've been, I think this is our 13th year of doing it. So I see quite a few different dogs come from all across the country and they're always different styles and breeds and, and genetics for sure. And um, that helps me like those workshops help people. I think that's the point of it is to train the trainers more than anything. But um, those workshops really help me because I get to see such a variety. I get to see dogs that have some issues that I'll never, my dogs will never have. So as a trainer, I think you got to figure out how to hand, how to, how to work through some of that stuff. And if you don't expose yourself to it, I don't think you push yourself very, very as far as you probably can when it comes to improvement. And so I've got a, I've got a good friend of mine that he's, he's a real good trainer and he, I did some breeding recently with him and um, he spent a couple of years in, in the UK and he trained with, some of the best in the world and he worked with some of the best dogs and he, he, he got such an education um, doing that. But he, he's, there's some, we have conversations about some of the dogs that he's working with right now and having some struggles with. And I said, it's the best thing for you because if all you'd ever do is work the best dogs, oh man, you, you'll only get so good. And so I, I, I'm, I feel like I get my experience. I don't want to do that myself personally with my own dogs necessarily, but I get a lot of that with, with opportunities like workshops. But now I'm to the point where I'm old enough and I just, I'm a big believer in the idea of make it as easy as possible. And I, and I think that simplification is kind of the key to that when it comes to my training. Um, and then when you pair that up with the right dogs, things go, things go pretty well pretty smoothly yeah and i got i've got like five questions out of that um statement that you were making so first i want to go back to genetics and going back to um you said it took about 15 years to figure out what you wanted and now so when you and breeding for us is a big thing um we really we really talk about you know breeding best to best or mm -hmm. you know genetics that should complement each other instead of just breeding, you know, your buddies down the road's dog to because you, ha he has a dog and you have a dog. That's, that's not, that's not what we're after. We're, we're to build or create a better, stronger hound. Mm -hmm. you're, you're doing it with your labs. So what, what are some things that you took or what are some things that you um, used to make that decision and what, what swayed you in that, in that decision? I think what swayed me into it was the pain in the ass. It was to work with dogs that weren't the right fit. It, it just, it just made it so much harder. And I yeah. thought there's got it. Damn. Why, why, why is the very, there's such a variation. And, and when I, when I, when I realized how important the dog itself was, 
it became very clear to me, well, there's certain things that match and align with me better. And I, cause I, cause I, I will be the first person to say it. I'm not a, some, I, I think about it an awful lot and, and I act on it, but I'm not a breed snob. Like I'm not like, Oh, mm-hmm. this good dogs. This is a good dog. That's a bad dog. No, they're all good. It just depends on who they're with. And so there are certain dogs out there that I have friends that, that prefer different styles of Labradors and they're, you know, they're the same breed. They're the same. They're, they're very close in so many ways, but there's certain dogs that they would see that they would just, they, that's exactly what they want. It's absolutely not what I would want. So I, for me, it was, it was training enough of them over the years that weren't what I liked and, and then realizing how much more work it was. And mm-hmm. how much I didn't enjoy it because I, it wasn't, I not, I don't like going out and battling with the dog. I'm not there to f- fight with them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so, so when you start, so then that started me on this idea of, well, you better make a list of what you like. Cause you know, I, I literally have a, a list that I, I have it in my phone. I add to it. I ch- it changes as mm-hmm. years go on. It's changed a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have these, these traits and things that I like and, so I started building that out in my mind of, well, what, what is good for me and what, what are the things that I like? And then I start figuring out, well, who's got that and how can I work towards that? And what's the close to me, the biggest, one of the biggest things was figuring out where's the closest thing to it to start. Because I just don't think, I think it takes so long. It takes so many generations to get significant changes with consistency. I think what can happen is, is, what I don't, and this is all opinion, you know, like some people right. will listen to this and agree. Some people will say you're nuts, but I, I feel like when you take, when you take a dog that isn't close to what you want in the end, it takes an, it's going to take an awful lot to help get what it starts, gives you as a starting foundation or base to get where you want to be. So I wanted to start as close as I could. So that meant try a whole bunch of them. Um, and I'm a, I do believe in, this is, this is interesting because I don't ever talk, I don't talk about this much publicly. I talk about it a lot privately with friends of mine and stuff, but um, I think it's something that's really interesting. And I ask a lot of questions about it because there, there's, there's not, there's so many people that I talk with that'll talk about it with me, but they won't talk about it on the record. It's always an, on, this is off the record stuff. And I don't, I'm not an off the record type guy uh, in most situations. So we like the, the idea of line breeding. I talk about with so many people and I, I just can't get people to be openly honest about it. Like I write for Gundog magazine. Mm-hmm. And so one of my goals is actually, I I'm thinking about it. I've been thinking about it for a while now about putting together article about it, but how do I do it where I'm not going to necessarily piss off a lot of people. And I, but I want to be honest. I'm not going to fluff it. I'm not going to beat around bushes. So I, as the years go on, I could keep collecting ideas and putting them into notes and eventually I'll write the article. But I, I feel like with line breeding stuff, I'm a big believer in it. Like I, I, I've yet to find a dog that I really, really liked that wasn't pretty closely line bred. But mm-hmm. I think that the thing about it is, is it's so, it's so challenging because it's the, the way it magnifies traits or can magnify traits, you have to be so particular and you have to be so picky. And if you got dogs with, with chinks in the armor, which they all do, none of them are perfect. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you, if you're not careful, you, you can just as easily magnify the, ne- the negative or undesirable as you can 
what it is that you're after. So I've got dogs right now that, that I'm really liking. They're, they're pretty, they're, they're line bred and they're, they're relatively close. I, I feel like, um, there's, you know, that's, there's a fine line, no question about it, but I, I have, I'm a believer in this idea of breeding dogs is such an art. Like there's science to it. We can beat the hell out of the, the science. Like we, there's mm-hmm. computer programs and there's all these things that we can do now, but man, is it a gut feel thing? And is it an art thing? And is it, is it making the right choices with what puppies you do or don't keep? Um, so it's, to me, it's a different, it's a whole new thing separate from training, but I think the two connect together so closely. Like they're, you know, if you look at dogs in general, for me, I look at it like a, if I, if I were to look at it like a chain, which I, I look at training like a chain, a lot of links that could connect it together. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you got to build the links first. You can't just, you know, just get a chain. So you build these links and then you connect them together. And if you're missing links, it doesn't, doesn't do you much good. The chain doesn't work. And if, if weeks, you know, you got weak links, it, you got all these issues. So I think, I feel like dog training in general or dogs in general is kind of a, this combination in this dance between the, 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 the dog itself and then the handler. And I think it's missed a lot is the importance of how those two things kind of mesh together. And, and it all can be, you can break it down into so many different things. And to me, it's, that's really what I'm after right now is I've never, I didn't pay as close of attention to the makeup of the dog itself and how it got to be what it was. And that's like maybe the last five years I've, I probably dove into that a little bit more and, and I'm, I'm doing, I'm trying my own thing to figure out, is that what I like? And mm-hmm. so far, so far, I've been really happy. I, I have, I have honestly can honestly say, I feel like in the last decade for sure. And, and maybe closer to the, the ha- second half of the decade, um, have had the best dogs I've ever had. And they're just, they're just really consistent and they're really easy. And that's what I, that's one of the things that, that I have made a point of putting on my list of things that I like in dogs is easy ones because easy ones make it really enjoyable. And they're, they're, they eliminate a lot of the things that create hard feelings with the dog. And I, I get so many people, I talk to so many people that are so frustrated with their dogs. I mean, they're, they're almost to the point of panic. They're almost to the point of giving up. You can just sense it in the person. So mm-hmm. I look at it and I go, man, you got to get right yourself before you can get your, right with your dog. Cause every time you go with your dog, you don't like them. Well, the dog knows it. The dog reads you better than you'll ever read it. So mm-hmm. you better start to li- like, I'm a big believer in the idea of you better like your dog. If you really want to have a nice one, you're going to, you're going to have to like it. So I do think it's important, simple stuff like picking out the right color. I, I don't, I don't give a shit what color dog it is. A good one's a good one. But if you don't like the color, you're not going to like the dog. So like I have some people tell me it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, you know, some, I know some kennels that pick dogs for people mm-hmm. and I, I, I have no problem with it. Do it however you want. But my belief is that person's going to want I want that. If that person's going to succeed with the dog, they got to want that dog. That's the one that they want. So mm-hmm. like I, I would, I don't want someone picking a puppy for me. I don't care what litter it is because they're not all the same. And I, I want to know which one I want to love the one I got before I ever got it. Yeah. And, and so I think that that that's like a bigger picture, 
you know, thing with it. So I probably went a million different directions there for you. No, no, no. Like, like I got so I got I got more questions. So I this, the first thing I, I want to tell a quick story on the color because um I'm not I don't I'm like you I don't care about the color if it's a good dog mm -hmm. I don't care um for me and what I do in my world I'm not partial to a white solid white dog because the bear tend to pick them out and run them down and I've had dogs that are in that that category and. I mean, they're always getting beat up or they get chased so much that um, they'll hang back and they're not doing completely what they should do. But so I got a pup out here that is, she's uh, getting her turn, six months old. So my buddy sends me like pictures, pup one, pup two, pup three, pup four. And he said, you know, just pick, you know, pick one out. So I scroll through there and I'm looking and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to get to go watch them. I don't get to go look at them and put my hands on them. So I, by golly, if I'm going to pick one out, I'm going to pick one out that's pretty and then I could look at it. Sure, for sure, man. <laughs> yeah, why not, right? That's what I did. I picked the one out that I liked the way that it looked and I got her and I love her. Like, mm -hmm. I love her. But you, yeah. you're right. You have to, you have to like that. And I've got rid of so many dogs cause I just did not like them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is fine. I, you know, I, I, one of the, there's a dog I train. I just bred her. She's the, she's the mom of the, the litter of the pups I'm training right now. And I fell in love with her. Like right from the start, I really, really liked her. She's, I wrote a, a column for a whole column one year on her for gun dog. And I wrote a feature for her about her the following year on her first hunt and um she's just a she was beautiful she's a beautiful dog she was from a dog that i wanted to get a dog out of this dog out of which is a just a really really solid sire out of out of england and so i i really loved her from the beginning loved everything about her and i was messaging with the guy who owned who, who owns the sire it wasn't the breeder of this litter but it, it, he he he's in england and so I was, me was messaging back and forth with him about this puppy. And I was trying to learn more about that sire. And that was why I got this dog, because I wanted to train a puppy out of it. So I ended up buying breedings out of that sire because of this. But anyway, this, this dog, I just was having so much luck with. And she was doing great. And so I'm back and forth with him via email. And one day he said to me, in email, he said, you know why you're having such a good time with your, you know why you're getting such good results. And he question mark and he sent, and he sent it to me. Well, I got it the next day cause we're off on times or whatever. And so I, I messaged him back thinking, boy, he's really going to give me some insight here. So I, I'm on pins and needles waiting to hear the answer. So I said, no, but I really want to hear. And his answer was because you're having a really good time. You're having a lot of fun. I can tell that was it. And I'm going, so I sat there and I thought, that son of a bitch is right. <laughs> like I'm having a blast with this dog. I can't, I can't tell you how, how much I enjoy it. Well, why do you think we're doing so well? You know, the dog reads me, like I said. Mm -hmm. So every time I take the pup out, I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm, I'm just, I'm just feeding off of her. And so what did she do? She fed off of me. And so now there's more to it than that, mm -hmm. but, but that was a big part of it that I don't know that I ever would have played that as part of the equation. Well, you're having a hell of a good time with her. No wonder you're doing well. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's pretty simple. <clears throat> uh, so I do think it's important, um, you know, the, and, and that's 
that's the simple stuff that gets overlooked because we want to get really complicated on everything, you know, and, and I, that's where I, at times I'm all for comp, I'm all for digging deep. I'm all for the layers because I think that's how you do really take it to the next level with anything in life. But I also think you can't lose sight of the simple stuff. And I think we have a tendency to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> Which that leads me, I'm going to go back one question on you. So do you think, because I've asked myself this question a lot, like when I first got into hounds back in, I mean, 20 years old, like I didn't know anything. My, I, there's been dogs around me my whole life. My dad actually, at one point in my childhood, we raised Great Danes and then he went from Great Danes to labs. We had labs for probably 20 years. Um, and the last lab that dad had died probably, yeah, probably 10 years ago. And now he, he mixed with, um, messed with blue healers and red healers. And now he's running old, a mountain collie. But anyway, so I didn't know anything about training dogs. It was monkey see monkey do. And I, I, I it resonated with me what you said about your friend. Like I got so frustrated. I got so aggravated and handled dogs probably the way that I shouldn't have handled because I didn't know anything. And then when I got into the law enforcement training side of it or handling, let's go to handling first. Cause that that's what came first. And I was training with some of the, the trainers from the state police and, you know, they were pretty hands off on the obedience part. It's pretty much let the dog do what he wants to do. You're just handling the lead. And then when I got into the training part, of the dog and I started learn like really um, soaking in uh, training techniques and, and different philosophies and, you know, opera conditioning and classical. Like when I started like really doing that, everything just seemed to come together and it was easier for me. Um, so the, the question is, do you think that um, you're, you're having a good time is is induced by your knowledge and being able to see, you know, those dogs during those sessions and, and picking out issues and working through them. And then you go to your dogs, like you said, like, I don't have those problems. Out, I'm, I'm with you. I don't have those problems out of my dogs. Now mm -hmm. you think that that plays a big part into your relationship with your dog. I think the, I think the bigger part of it is yes, but I think it's because of a, a level of comfort. So I think that, I become, the more you know about something, the more comfortable you are. And then you don't have these questions. I don't have these questions in my mind of, well, what if, the, what if this happens? What if that? You, you start doubting. And so I think the dogs really feel that. I think they sense confidence. I, you mm -hmm. know, I think leadership is, is part of that. And, and good leaders are confident. Good leaders will make bad decisions confidently. <laughs> because you know what? We'll get through it. We'll figure it out. Like every decision isn't always right. And everything I do training isn't always right. But if I do it half-assed, I can make the right decision half-assed. And I don't think the dog will follow through with it quite as well as even, as it, even if it was the wrong decision, but I did it pretty strong, you know, like, mm -hmm. so I think that the comfort part is important. And I don't think you can get comfortable with stuff until you feel it. And, and when I say that, I mean, you can't read about it. You can't watch it. You can't observe it. It's, it's this idea of you have to do it because that's what, that's what happens. That's what triggers stuff in your body. So when I, 
the the best example I would say that I can give you, like right now, it's happening. It happens to me regularly. Is working with this setter because everything I'm doing with her, for the most part, once I got like I had I had zero concerns up until we got into the bird field with her. I don't have it. I, obedience is obedience to me with a dog. I think mm -hmm. I think I think that that is you know a dog is a dog in that situation. But when it comes to a bird dog versus a retriever, there's some fundamental things that we do differently. And there's some things that some of it is mechanical, like knowing when to release a bird launcher, knowing how to set the bird launcher up properly. When I mean that, I mean like, how do you bring your dog into it? Because now you got to bring into factors like wind and you got to bring in factors like the thickness of the cover and you got all this stuff isn't something I've never thought about before, never had to. And so it's super simple. And when I watched a million videos about it, YouTube the hell out of it. I watched every, I watched everything I could get my hands on. I, I read these books. I've read, I've studied more in the last couple of years than I've studied in my life <laughs> because I'm just kind of excited about this idea of taking on this, this pointing breed. So I really, really studied for it. It probably got me so confused in my head of, well, this, this one did it this way and that one did it this way. And this one says to do this and this one says never do that. So like you're sifting through all this information, but thankfully I feel like I had a pretty good foundation in like dogs in general, which I could kind of look at and go, well, that's the same thing in the retriever world. Like you could, you could have this exact same conversation and say, this guy does it this way. That guy does it that way. He says this and he says the opposite. They're both training retrievers and they both turn out. So I kind of could relate back to that and go, well, I just got to, I got to pick and choose what I feel is right for me, what I feel is right for my dog. And I got a pretty good understanding of how to read a dog. And I got a pretty good understanding of what these dogs are capable, what, what's in them from a genetic standpoint. So I had to, so I'm processing all that stuff, but all of that is in the head. None of that stuff is in your feet. None of that stuff is in your hands. So you can think about it all you want, but then you go out in the field and you know exactly how you're going to do it because you watched it enough that you know how to do it. And then you stand there and you go, you get this deer in the headlight look and you feel like, when should I push the button now? Oh no. I'm, and then you're late. And then you read, oh, shit, and it doesn't go good. And then you fix it. And then you're then, then you got to control your emotions because then you're frustrated. Mm -hmm. are, you, are you mad at yourself? Are you mad at the dog? It's probably a combination of both. Then you got to take, so you got to go through all that stuff. But I'll tell you what, the next time I did it, it probably wasn't perfect either, but it was a little bit better because I all of a sudden went in my head, instead of trying to remember when the guy did it on YouTube, I remember when I did it yesterday and I remember that I missed it because of this. So I'm looking for something and I'm waiting and I'm, I got my, it could be as simple as mechanical getting my stuff organized better. You know how many times I've gone out into the field and realized I didn't take the launcher thing out of my bag. I put the little releaser button in my bag so I don't bump it. So here I'm walking out and for the first couple times I walk up on the dog and I'm, I'm, I'm excited because the dog's going to come in and I got to be ready to pop a bird if the dog gets too close. And I got all these things through my head. And then I re reach down for my releaser and I realize I don't even have it out of my bag yet. So now I go, Oh no, I got, oh, I got to get this out. So, but it's like something as simple as that. And, and you, there will be people that'll listen to you. How do you not, how are you missing? Because I had never done it before. Mm -hmm. And if you have never done it before, it doesn't just happen. And so the comfort level, 
Now all of a sudden I, I got a system and it's not, I watched everybody's system. I watched as many people's system as I could. And then I made my own that worked best for me. And then now I got the, so now like I get to this point where, Oh man, we do it three, four, five times in a row. And every time we get better results, almost always. I mean, it's very rarely do, do I not get a nice rhythm and a little bit of a cadence going and I see improvement with the dog over, over a three, four, five session period. And that might be a week, might be two weeks, whatever it is, but you build off these sessions. And then all of a sudden I realize, man, we're pretty damn good. I get a little, I get a little confident. I say, we got to add something to it. And that as soon as we take that next step, as soon as we add that next thing, it goes backwards. And I go, I have these same feelings of, Oh man, what did I do wrong? Now I'm starting to think about it. And then I do it again and I do it again. And about the fourth or fifth time after that, we got it. And then I'm on to the next. And so it's just, it's this constant feathering back and forth in my training of push myself a little bit till it's no good. Work on it there for a while, get it good. Push it a little bit till it's no good. Work on it till it's good. Move forward. It's just, but it's when you, when I think, so back to the original question, I'm more comfortable today than I was last week with whatever it was that last week created the issue. And so now I don't, all of a sudden, I don't want to think about it as much. And if you're not thinking about stuff, then you're reacting. And mm -hmm. so I, I'm a big believer in the idea of reflex, not impulse. I, with dogs and myself. So I want to do something enough times and fumble it enough times to learn from it. And then once I do it enough times and it goes smoothly, I don't have to think about it anymore. And if I don't have to think about it anymore, I'm able to focus on the stuff that I need to focus on, which is, which is really back to the idea of like reading the situation and responding to it accordingly. And when you get good at that, man, it's amazing what can happen. But that sounds really hunky dory. I mean, it sounds real nice, but what does it all take? Time. Mm -hmm. And it takes work. And I feel like that's the part that is actually, I love that part. And I, I talk to so many people that all they want to do is speed this up. Mm. You could do this so much faster if you did it this way. I don't want to do it faster. <laughs> I like this, you know? So it's, to me, it's this idea of, I'm, I, I, do, I do think there's a balance of efficiency. You got to be efficient. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to make mistakes that don't help the, the, the momentum in the big picture. But I also think we have to stay focused on the idea that this is not a sprint. Mm -hmm. Never have I sprint, never have I sprinted and it went well with the dog. It's, it's a marathon, it's a marathon mentality. And, and that is a very, and I'm not a runner. <laughs> you can see <laughs> I'm not a runner, but I have run in the past and just for like to try to be a little bit healthier. And I have, and it was the best thing for me because it, made me think about things differently. And, and I, I can relate that, I think, to the progress of, of uh, you know, starting with a, a young dog or a puppy and, and working, it through, working it through however long it is I'm working with it. And that leads me to, um, to tap into something else. So a recent podcast you had done, you um, had talked about, I think you had set up a booth at um, some type of show or outing and some people come over and was talking to you and you mm -hmm. said that they kind of had that, you know, that deer in the headlight look Yeah. To talk about that a little bit and what your advice was to them. Because, you know, I, again, 
in, in and I don't think it's in I think it's in all dog worlds is people want it done at six months. Um, you know, and that's a part of this this the whole podcast is the journey because it's a it is a journey. Mm-hmm. It is the big picture. Like I want to see, I want to, I'm working on the end result. I'm not working on the the first month of this dog's career. I'm working on the whole process. Right. Um, talk about that a little bit and, and what you told them, because that really, I mean, it really resonated with me and it, it's so reassuring to hear people that have the same mindset, which is sure. what you're just, you're just regurgitating right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was at a, I did a, a show. It was the Wisconsin Waterfall Expo and we, we do it every year. This is, I think our, this is the third year of the show and we've been really grateful that they've invited us to be a part of it. We're going to do seminars there next, next month, actually in August. And so I, I was at this Wisconsin Waterfall Expo that happens in late August and our teal season opens on September 1st here. So we have like an early teal season. So everyone's kind of jacked up at this Waterfall Expo because the following week is teal is going to open and then you're, you know, you're a month away from, the opener of the actual duck season. So I did a, a demonstration, sem- a seminar demonstration where I had some dogs outside and we worked them. And I had a dog in the booth that all the dogs were in the booth with us. And I, it was, I forget how old she was. She was, she was over a year. I mean, she was probably 14 months maybe. Um, and I had, it was a dog that I had only gotten. I, I got her from a, a client of mine, and I think he brought her to me when she was about nine months old. So I hadn't had her that long. And she, we're, the people came up and it was a really common question. And you could see the, the tension almost. Like I went outside and I did a seminar, worked the dogs, brought the dogs back in, and people come to the booth with questions. And so their, their, their question to me was, you know, they just watched this dog she was, I don't know, 14 months old, roughly. And I said, well, you know, what, they asked me something about her first season, you know, cause this would be her, this would be her first season. And they were asking me about getting, you know, are you, what did you have to have? What do you feel like I had, you had to have ready with her to get her to hunt this be ready for hunting next week. And I was confused. And I, I said, what, what do you mean? And they pointed at the dog, Callie. And I said, what, what is the stuff you feel like you have to have before you can take her out into the field for, for hunting. And I said, well, she's not, she won't hunt this year. And I said, I, you know, I, she's not ready. And instantly they looked at me with relief. And I said, well, why, you know, we got, we got a ways to go. You saw her outside and she's a pretty nice dog. She could, I mean, she, could she go into a field and, and hunt? Yeah, probably. But she wasn't quite ready. I didn't think. And um, I just wasn't comfortable with it. So I, I said to them, <clears throat> what do you, you know, what, why do you ask that? And they started telling me about their dog. They had like a 10 month old dog. <clears throat> they were so concerned about making sure they had all the stuff that they had to have to get it in the field, like in a week or two. <clears throat> and I said, boy, at 10 months, I'd take a deep breath, man. You got a year. Like I, I where's the, where's the fire? And they said, well, you know, we just, we've heard people say, get them in the field, give them experience. I said, what's the benefit? What are you going to gain from it? You might pick something up, but there's a lot of risk there too. And for me personally, if you're training the dog yourself, what nobody can tell you when you have to do anything with them. And that's the beauty of it. And so I understand like 
we get wrapped around this idea of timelines when it comes to dog training, I think, because especially when it comes to professional trainers, and this is not a, a dig or a knock or anything on professional trainers, because this, I don't know how they couldn't do this. They have to measure stuff by time and, and they have to, they charge by time and they perform based on time and they're selected because of the window or duration that they say they'll be able to get certain things done. So I get all that. But the beauty of me training my own dog and the nice part about anybody that listening to this that's training their own dog is you don't have any of that pressure. You don't have any of that. <clears throat> there is nobody that can tell that should tell you you have to do certain things with certain dogs by certain ages because just because and you a lot of times I'll ask people, why do you say that? Why do you think that? Well, because look at any professional trainer. They're going to tell you you got to have it done in this window. Well, yeah, to fit into their schedule. To fit it into, for them to be able to do business the way they do business, they have to do that. You don't. And as soon as people realize that, it's a very different look at how you're training. And that person that was pretty concerned about it completely had, a, had this, like, visually, I could see them settle a little bit and be like, I, then I don't, then, I, then I'm, more, I'm so much more comfortable. Well, guess who's going to be better off working with their dog when they go home now? Guess whose dog is going to feel a little bit better about the next session because dad's not so tense about what do I have to get done by next week so I can take a teal honey. No, you take it. There's this thing, a good friend of mine, the guy that I bred these puppies with, uh, the guy that was in England, his name is Noah, and he, he, he's got some – I've learned, I've learned a lot from him. And one of his sayings that he picked up um, – which is how things happen. You get, you, you, you come across stuff, you pick it up with sticks and you move on from the stuff that doesn't. Well, his, his thing to me was take what they give you, take what the puppy gives you. So if the dog tells me she's ready or he's ready to move on a little bit, we do it. They'll, they'll just as quickly tell you, you've gone too far. You've gone too fast. So you got to take what they give you. And if my mindset going into training a dog is I'm going to wait a season, you know, I, I, and I, and I had someone, I just recently on social media on Instagram, I had a guy really go off on me about it. Um, it was, I forget what the post was, but it was, Oh, I know what the post was. I, I said something about, I said, I don't use training collars. I don't use shock collars. Mm -hmm. So I had, I had this post that said, I don't use a shock collar. I also don't treat train. And, and then I went in on like, this is what works for me. I don't have a problem with anybody else doing it. Do what works for you, blah, 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 blah. That was the post. And I had a guy come kind of unglued a little bit with this comment. And I thought, Jesus, man, I don't think you read the post. Because I, th I don't think he got past the first line of, I don't use a shock collar. Because he went off on this idea of, you're standing on your soapbox about not using collars and blah, 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 blah. And time matters. And you always say people to tell people that time doesn't matter. And on and on and on about this. And he, he said something about if, you know, a dog's life is only so long and, and I'm not going to sacrifice that. No problem. Do whatever you want to do. Like I am not here to tell him how to do anything. I, <laughs> I couldn't, I almost had, I responded and said, man, I think you got to reread my post because what you're saying is exactly what I'm saying. So, but anyway, what I, what, what, what I thought was interesting about it was I'd hate to have, I'd hate to live my life feeling like time is so limited that I have to hunt this puppy at a 10 months old or whatever the age is, because that's the only way I'm going to get the most out of it. Cause my feeling is, and, and this is 
maybe it's uh, an, a philosophy on life, but I look at it as I'm going to have the dog for hopefully 15 years. I don't know, 10 to, 10 to 15 years more than likely. So I would rather have, if I don't hunt the dog till it's two, let's say, I'd rather have eight really good years of hunting than have nine years of hunting that are mediocre at best because I made sure I got that extra year of hunting. And there, I'll be honest, those first parts of these puppies' lives, you can put stuff in there that isn't going to leave. Like you can do it intentionally and you can do it accidentally. And you want to make sure that the stuff you're putting in there that isn't going to leave, it's going to be with them forever. It's in their makeup is all the good stuff. And you want to make sure that you avoid all the stuff that you don't want to have because it's in there and you can't, you can't, some of that stuff you just can't erase. And so I look at it as the risk versus what I'm going to gain out of that extra season. I mean, quite honest, let's be honest. What are you going to get out of hunting a seven, eight, nine month old puppy? It's for you. It's not for the puppy. It's for you. And so I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice that. I, I, and I do have the luxury of having other dogs and I, you know, there's all this other stuff, but I don't care if it's my first dog. I'm going to recommend to anybody. I'd rather see you wait. And, and you know, we, we get excited about hunting and I, I think we should. That's what they're for. That's what the dogs are for. But I also think that we got to look at this as we work so hard to prepare them for it. Training, training is like, it's, it's, a uh, it's not, tra- I don't like the word training. I would prefer the word raising. Like it's, it's, you start with this little thing and you shape it and you mold it for, for 10 years, really. It never ends. And so you, you, you have that time when they're little and we always love that. And we love that time when the dog's got the bird in its mouth or the dog picked the shed up for you or the dog found the deer for you or whatever it is you're doing at the end. We love that too. Don't lose sight of all the stuff in the middle because it's really good. And, and you got to transition because you can't get from A to Z. <laughs> There's all these letters in between and you should, you can't skip them. You got, and you, and you shouldn't skip them. And then once you realize those letters in between are just as fun or better, now you're back to enjoying training again. And guess what your results are going to be and be better. You're using the, I use that analogy all the time. That's so funny that you say that, that, we get so ahead of ourselves that we skip some of the letters and then we end up going back and back and trying to clean up, which leads yeah. to the other thing that you, you said in that podcast is if you let things go and don't mess it up, then you don't have to go back and fix it. Yeah. Yeah. makes life a lot easier. I, yeah. don't, don't break stuff in the first place. <clears throat> like right. I, you know, I, I'm a big believer in the idea of I don't try to treat symptoms. I avoid the illness. And, and it's easy to say, I know, cause it, but if you, if you simplify it and you recognize that training isn't the 10-minute session or the 15-minute session exclusively, that's where I think the word, that's why wording is so important. Semantics are important. I don't use breaking a dog. I don't use, I don't break dogs. I don't, I don't, do, I don't do any of that stuff. I, I feel like just the word alone changes the attitude of the action and it goes the wrong way. So I 
look at it when it when it comes to training a dog we all know what that means because dog training 101 they google it like the word training dogs dog and training is going to be synonymous they're tied together forever and ever and ever always will be but what about kids i've never seen a book on training your kid <laughs> but how many times have people written books that talk about raising the raising a responsible kid you know what are we doing we're raising them and so, but what does that do? What does that do is it changes my mindset into realizing that training, training to me is very easy. It's very clear. It's a set aside time to go work on a specific thing. And if that's how we get our dog to be the way we want it, we're going to have small pieces of the puzzle good. And then we're going to have a bunch of other stuff that probably isn't so good. And I prefer to look at it as, Dogs always learn, we always train. And so what does that mean? Take the word training out completely and change it with raising. And now all of a sudden I look at it and I go, I'm raising my kids all the time. I'm raising my dog all the time. And now my mindset changes to right now I've got a dog laying next to me. It's my one of a, a puppy out of our breeding. He's like two years old. It's my, my son's dog. And so that dog right now is laying on his bed quietly and he's he's in training if if i allowed him to run around and get into stuff while i'm trying to do this if i had done that when he was a puppy if i'd have let that happen when he was a puppy he'd be doing that right now as a two-year-old and so when he was a puppy we put him on place and we taught him mm -hmm. you got a spot here that you can stay and do anything you want here and very quickly he realized pretty comfortable and I, I will probably lay down and sleep here guess what he's been doing the entire time he's laying there and sleeping habits start somewhere and mm -hmm. so what i like to do is make sure the habits the desirable habits start first and don't allow the don't allow the undesirable ones to even show up and then i don't have to train it out and retrain something in but that's a mindset thing mm -hmm. and when, when as soon as you do it you realize boy it makes life a it just makes the whole big picture a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, the the hands on part is huge, um, and I'm I'm like you, and I I feel like I'm very fortunate that I've got some of the the education and knowledge that I have. Which you know, you and I talked about it when we started. Is everything that I know I've learned from reading a book or somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, none of this stuff is mine. I've tweaked it. And I've taken this piece and put that piece with together to make it mine, just like what you mm -hmm. just said. But, you know, somebody had asked me a question about, um, you know, pups being food aggressive. Cause that's a, that's a thing in the hound world. I, I don't, I don't know if you guys fool with it as much as we do. I don't allow it to start. Right. Like I stop it. As soon as I see it, it's done. And two or three times of correcting that, that behavior or that, um, disposition, you don't have it anymore, but I do it when they're with their puppies, but I, I, I enjoy raising puppies. That's like, I enjoy that, that, that first year life, like yeah. what you said, I enjoy, I mean, that's what dry. I mean, that's my favorite part of it. I, of course I like the finished product, but I, I mean, it's, it's taking a different method or taking a different approach to, to them, um, and not letting them, do like I mean you're you're just you're just reiterating stuff that we talk about and how important it is um 
in in our world, the dog world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're utilitarian. You know, they're they're things that we use, but I also think that it can't be just looked at that way. And and that's where, like, I mean, I, you've got kids, right? Oh yeah, how yeah. Many you, how many kids do you have? Uh, four. I've got three. As soon as we became parents, everything changed. Like purpose, my mm-hmm. purpose changed. Like. Mm-hmm my kids are my life, right? Well, there's a lot of people that don't have kids and have dogs. And I think you got to be careful too, because they're not, they're not humans. Like we can't, we can't confuse this with that. Mm -hmm. They're humans, but there's a lot of similarities in the process of how you and I have raised kids and how we raise dogs and found success or struggles. Cause I've, I've done things with my kids too, that it, I had to change how I was doing it because it wasn't Mm -hmm. working. And so I've run into things that I've done with my dogs that I had to change because it wasn't working. And then complicated even more. Well, no two are the same. So now you got to make these, but those are all fine tuned adjustments that you make as you go. But I don't think that the, the general direction, the, 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 the 10,000 foot view of it, it's, it's, it's pretty similar. And, and you're talking hounds and I'm talking bird dogs and then I'm talking shed dogs and then I'm talking tracking dogs and then I'm talking doesn't matter Mm -hmm. the the general direction is pretty similar yep and then you get into the details and then you start fine-tuning stuff yeah and i want to go back to the last segment you were talking about is you know you're not in a rush and you know i've got a pup the pup that i was just talking to i picked out because i like the way she looked she's six months old our season comes in next week I guarantee you that when I put her in, if I put her in the woods right now, she's going, she's going. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, she's ready, but mentally she's not, I can't, yeah. I can't take a chance on her running up on a bear on the ground and, and getting um, hurt or getting damaged, whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, by a bear on the ground and then setting her back because mentally she's not prepared. Yeah. And as bad as I want, because I, 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 I mean, I love the little dog as bad as I want to, I'm not doing it. Sure. Um, and you know, and that's, that's the same thing you're saying. I'm not in a rut. Like I, I want her to be that outstanding dog at, at six and eight years old. Well, you know, but that's, that's my end goal. It's not to get her destroyed at six months old and then I'm starting all over with something else that I may not like as well as I like her. Yeah. And she'll tell you when she's ready. Right. Like I, I, I feel like that's the thing with these dogs. That's, that's been the really interesting thing for me with my little setter is I really feel like the, the progress because I've never done it before. So it, is the process or the progress or the, the timeline that we're doing things right. I don't, I don't know. Is it wrong? I don't know. But I think what I have found is that I've relied pretty heavily on her to tell me when she's ready. And I've also had to listen to her when she told me you're going too fast or you're going too far. And that might conflict with what Delmar Smith's book said. Mm-hmm. It might conflict with what Bob Whaley said in his book. It might be right on with what they said. And so the hard part about, and there's what I'm those are, those are two books. Those are, two guys that I've read a lot about and, and studied a lot about and know more and absolutely have all the credentials to, to be worth following and trying to emulate. 
But at the same time, I think I have to, I realize it. And I think folks have to realize it when they wrote that book, they're only, they're limited to writing about, I, cause I write some stuff and writing's really hard. I'm not a good, I'm my English teacher would, she wouldn't believe that I wrote something that got published because <laughs> I, I mean, if I was a, if I was a low C student, that's probably being pretty generous. I, when I write, it's very hard for me. It's challenging. It's part of why I do it because I actually feel like it's making me think about stuff different. It's making me, it's pushing me to do things that are very uncomfortable. And so, but when I write about stuff, it's one of the hardest parts about it for me personally is I can't explain it as as broadly as I would like to, because you just don't have space. It's a mm -hmm. different media. And so I'm delicate about selection with word of words to try to make sure I get them, get as close to what I want to say out in, in writing. But like in a podcast like this, it's easier because we can really talk about it. So I could say, I could write, you know, Bob Whaley book and, and Delmar's book. You don't do it exactly like that. And people would be like, Oh, he doesn't think those guys are worth. No, that's not it. They, they got a ton of shit, but they only, they, but they wrote books and that was the way to do it back then. And they wrote about general generalities of mm -hmm. dogs. And then once you get into dogs, you'll realize, well, there's some play there and there's some, there's some variance there and the dogs, the, the, once you figure out what, how that looks and how that trans transfers to the training then you start to recognize you got to listen to the dog at times too. And the dog's going to tell you a lot if you, if you, if you understand how to and are willing to listen, but then <clears> there's also the mindset of, well, the dog conforms to the way I train. There's that school of thought too. I, I it's a different way of doing it. I can't help people that want to do it that way. Cause that's not how I do it, mm -hmm. but I don't I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that I'm also saying, I'm also saying the dog doesn't tell me everything. You know, I'm not going to go on. There's this, I talk about this in a lot of podcasts where there's extremes. There's one end of the spectrum and then there's the other. I never want to be on either one of them. I'm always looking to try to get in the middle. And I feel like that allows me to have flexibility because I can, because, because that's what, that's what I need when I'm working with a dog. I need to be able to go one direction or the other. And it might vary day to day. It might vary dog to dog. It might vary session to session, depending on what they give me. And that's where this idea of take what they give you, whatever they give me, how do I respond? How do I go back with it? And then they'll give me something back and I'll give them something. And it's a, it's a, it's a super, it's a really beautiful thing when it, when it all lines up. Because you just feel like, man, what you just got done. And I think that transfers to the dogs, too. I think they feel it. You can see when a dog is really proud. Mm -hmm. They've done it right. You know they did it right. You But all that stuff, you back up and you go, well, how did we get that feeling? And there's a lot of parts and pieces that went into it. You set them up properly. You, 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 you did the right things at the right time. And so all these things get together. And then it's like, you know, it's, I'm not musical. <laughs> at all i like music i love music but i'm not me i'm not musical but when you hear this stuff go right musically it's like art you know it's it, it is it's art mm -hmm. you could you could say painting you could i'm not a i'm not i'm none of that stuff but i got a 
very fine appreciation for it because when it goes good, man, I love it. Um, and that's the same, I think, when it comes to working with these dogs. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I said, it's, it's, it's taught me a lesson and, I, you know, looking over my career with dogs, I, man, I want to smack myself sometimes because I've had some really good dogs that I was impatient with that I pushed too hard or I've done something too fast. Um, and I've ruined, I've ruined a lot of dogs through my career and that's something I'm trying never to do again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a process and it's, I mean, I mean, everything you say resonates because that's, I mean, that's the way I think like I'm on the same, same page, um, with the way that I feel about training. And I talk to my guys about it all the time. Um, you know, I, I talk to them about, you know, we're, we're, we're not in a hurry. We'll expect, we'll work on this here and there for the next three months and then we'll move on to something else. Well, mm-hmm. I know I need it done next week. Well, why do you need it done next week? Right. Because you want it done next week. Right. Right. Um, that's so hard. No. That's hard. That's hard for a lot of trainers. I think it's hard for, and not just professional trainers. I mean, it's hard for people, but I think part of that comes that are training their own dogs. I think part of that comes from what they see. You know, there's a keeping up with the Jones types feel out mm-hmm. there that you, you gotta, you saw this guy's doing this at this age. I, well, I should be doing that too. Maybe, maybe not, you know? And, and, and I also think you got to keep in mind too, that the stuff that people see you know, I'm, I, I love social media. We would have, we would have never met if, if it wasn't for social media. I love right. social media. And I hear, you know how many people I hear talk about how they hate social media and they can't stand it and they have to be on it and blah, blah. I, then don't be on it because it, if you don't like it, you're maybe not using it right. Like mm-hmm. the, it, I feel like it's one of the greatest tools out there, but I also recognize that it's not a, it's just like watching the news. I don't watch the news, but if, if you do watch the news, you'll be really depressed pretty quick. So <laughs> but you, if you can pick and choose the stuff that makes sense and, and sift, you got you to gotta have a filter a little bit and, and be able to wade your way through it. But I, I, think in, I think you have to keep in mind that nobody, very few people are 100% transparent with what they share and, and mm-hmm. rightfully so I, I'm not saying everyone should show their, their bad stuff. We try to, I try to show, I try to show everything. And so as the best I can. And the reason is, is because I feel like it's relatable. It's the stuff I wish I could see. It's the stuff I want to find out happens because if you don't, if all you do is show highlight real stuff, that's human nature. I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with it. Go for it. But recognize if you're having a hard if you're having a hard time dealing with seeing everybody else show highlight real stuff, just remind yourself in 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 at some point you gotta believe it. You know what? They have off they have off times too, they're just not showing it. Their dog's not doing everything the way I see it right now. Pick up the stuff that you can get positive out of watching that stuff and discard the rest. But that's hard, that is really hard to do. And I get sucked into it myself at times, but one thing that we just we just won't do uh, between me and I guess I work with really great guys. That our team is really good, and they and I are both on the same page of like, okay, we're gonna we we we, we as we document stuff, we share it with honesty. And I there was a 
there's a gal that follows us from over in the UK and she said something about it. Cause I posted something about my setter that she just didn't, she made some, she didn't look very good. And so we posted this session and, uh, you know, it was a frustrating one. It was one of those sessions that we took another step. We did mm -hmm. something new and I threw a curveball at her and she missed it. And so I, I got to look at that and go, well, the, some of the best sessions are the ones that go poorly. The ones that look good and feel good are for me and make me feel good. But the best sessions, the most productive sessions are the ones that don't go so well. And I have the common sense and the ability to take a step back from it to learn. If, as long as I learn from it and do it differently the next time, those are the best sessions. They don't always look the best, but they are the best from a value standpoint. And so I, I, that was kind of the point of that post. And the comment she made was something about your honesty. That's what has completely drawn me to what you're doing is your honesty. And I said, I, honesty is the best policy. You know, there's, I mean, we learned that shit when we were kids. So you gotta, you, that's one thing that me and the guys have all decided is, you know, we're gonna, you can do a lot of stuff with editing. You can make the worst. I did that once. I had a bad hunt with the dogs. I set them up to fail and they failed. And, we filmed it all. It was a duck hunt. And then I said at the end of it, I mean, I, it was so poor. I was like, I don't even know if I want to show this. And they looked at me. And I said, yeah, I know we got to show it. But so I said, but here's what I want to do. And this was on our YouTube channel. I said, here's what I want to do. Let's use this. <laughs> ben, you edit it to make it look good. Edit it and like cut out all the bad stuff, put all the good stuff, make this hunt look like it went awesome. Banger. Real nice. You know, we shot a bunch of birds and the dog worked well. Then I want you to edit it the way it really happened. And so then what we're going to do is we're going to put those two videos together and we're going to play them. And so I, I, and I made a point of like in the beginning of the video, I made it really clear. Hey, watch the whole video because you're going to see two different hunts. They're the exact same hunt, but you're going to see two different hunts based on how we decided to show it to you. And my point with it was, this is the stuff that can happen. Deal with it. You know, and then we built off of that and we it took the dog back to the same spot. We hunted in that spot and she did well. And so I think that's this, I think that's stuff that I have a hard time finding some of that stuff. I wish I could find more of it because I'd learn a lot more that way. Yeah. <clears throat> well, as we wrap this up, what what would be some advice on on I know we've man, you've dived pretty deep into some things that, that are very um close to me. What what kind of advice would you give us on, you know, just training or raising? I'm going to start using that word. Yeah. I like the terminology on, you know, raising dogs or um, in general with dogs. It's going to make us better. Um, I think there's two sides of it. I think there's the mechanical part. If you don't, if you don't understand how the, how to work the dog, like the physical parts of it, there's, there's time, there's timing is so important. You know, I just think that that's maybe one of the hardest things for people to get when they get started. Um, and then as you get older, as you get more experience, I think your timing gets better and better and better until it's back to that idea of reflex where it just happens. And, and then your mind is not thinking about it. Your body's responding to it. And so that's part of it, but that you can't, you, you have to, you have to do it. You can't be afraid. I think sometimes we overanalyze stuff and we kind of, are paralyzed because of it. And I, and I've been that way too, with, especially with new things. But so, so that's, that's part of it. But then the other part is 
I, I don't think, I think you got to start to think about, well, here's the easiest thing for everybody. Cause I I'll go down another rabbit holes with this <laughs> thing, but here's the biggest thing that I would recommend. And some people are going to, there's something, some people will, will, this will really help. And some people will put their nose up to it and shake their head and go, this guy, slow down, slow everything down. And when I say slow down, I mean like all of it, not like your progress, that, that too, but like your movement, everything you do, slow down. And so, cause what I, what I feel like we are, what we struggle with, um, and I do too, is, you know, society, our society and the things that we do is we're, we're, we fit a lot of stuff into 24 hours. We always do. And, and, and that's an efficiency game and it's a productivity thing and it's a profitability thing. And it's a, it's connected to everything in our lives. We really try to get stuff done quickly and I'm all for it with everything that doesn't have to do with dogs for the most part except golf. Like I, I think people golf way too fast, slow the hell down. I'm in, I'm here to enjoy the thing. Right. So I look at golfing, like training my dogs. I'm not in a rush to get it done where so many people go and figure out how to play quickly to get done. Well, why are you playing? So to me, like physically slow down. Cause I think what ends up happening is, is for me, a lot of people struggle with their dogs because you can't get them to focus. They have a hard time getting them. I think they need to be with you up here in your head. Like people that are listening to this won't be able to see this. I'm pointing at my brain. Like you need their head in order to have their feet. And ultimately they move through their feet. So I'm trying to own their feet. I want them to move their feet the way I want them to move their feet and when I want them to move them. And in order to do that, I got to have their head. And, and a lot of it goes to their eyes. Like I like, to, I like to, this idea of get their eyes, get them looking to you. Get, because what do you do? You look to the, you look to your leaders. You, you, when, when you need answers, who do you look to? Well, both physically and figuratively, I suppose. I want these dogs to look at me. And how do you get them to do that? Because next time you take your dog out, pay attention to your pace. Like if you take them out of a crate or a kennel or a, call them off a bed or whatever it is, and you're going to go work with them. You're going to go do a session. Notice your pace. And watch what happens. The dog is going to ramp up. Most of them get excited. This is a fun thing. This should be a good thing. I, I want that. But when they ramp up to the point of, I see so many people work their dogs at such a high level of, it's almost anxiety. And, and guess how focused they are at that point. They don't, I mean, they're just, they're going off of instincts. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, what I, a lot of the things that I'm trying to teach them, I don't teach the dogs the things that, they're, that they do inherently. I think we got to get that out of our heads. I don't teach retrievers to retrieve. I don't point, teach pointing dogs to point. You don't treat hounds to track. Mm -hmm. They do it. It's in them. You better get out of the way of the stuff that they do best. We're, we're not going to help. We're going to get in the way of stuff like that. So, But what does the stuff that they don't do naturally that we want them to do that requires, that doesn't, that's not instinct. That requires an understanding of discipline and a willingness to be cooperative. And in order to do that, they have to think about it. And then it has to transfer down to their feet. And so I'm a, I'm, I think that when you get the dog out, you're going to see the spike. 
because nine, nine times out of 10, maybe more than that, when people get their dogs out, they just get them out in the field and go do stuff. And then they can't understand why the dog has to, you know how many people tell me they got to run their dog to get the energy out and then they can, you just opened up a pop, shook a pop bottle up, mm -hmm. open it up, let it spray all over. And now you're wondering why there's no pop left in the bottle to train. Well, because you just let it explode. So instead I'm going to take the dog every time I'm going to take the dog, I'm going to bring the dog out. And if you tell yourself, slow down, like, and then you do it, slow down, just slow down. And I, your first couple sessions, you might not even make it outside. Mm -hmm. You might get to the point where you maybe get to the door and the door. And then all of a sudden you get to the point where you go, okay, the dog is on, still with me mentally. Let's go outside. And, and it might take a while to get to the point where you can actually get to the point where you're going to do something and start moving forward in the actual training, but try it. But you know, what's hard. The hard part will be is people are, the people themselves are going to go, I can't wait. I can't do this. I, I got to get going. Well, then why do you think your dog's that way? Mm -hmm. If you can't do it, your dog won't be able to do it. That's a, that's a challenge. That's a tough challenge. That's a tough thing to do, but I, I'm a, my buddy there, Noah, who I, who I really, I like working dogs with them and stuff. We laughed the other day. This was, a, this was months ago. We were down in Kansas. That's where he's from. And we were training dogs and, and we worked, we worked a, a pair. He, he had a brace of dogs. I had a brace of dogs and we worked them together. And I don't know, we, we worked for an hour and hour and a half together. And I think our dogs made four or five retrieves each and for, for over an hour and a half. And most people that I know that are training their retrievers are going to have a dozen retrieves in, in the first 10 minutes. I mean, it's, it's, we just, we just took it. We just take a little bit different approach to how we're working them. And what it ends up doing is, is it helps us. It, it helps us get these dogs to start to slow down, slow down their thinking, slow down their, their feet, slow down everything. And then all of a sudden I can get precise. Like then I can really start to ask them to do some things that aren't so natural to them. And they'll, they, they're, they'll work. And it go, you know, and a lot of it's ge the genetic ability to be cooperative. I like that. That's why it's on my list of things. Bitability is one of the things I really look for in a dog, but I got long winded on it, but I'd say, slow down, mm -hmm. slow everything down, try it and see if you see if you like it, because I got a feeling it'll, It'll actually make you feel, I think what you can do is start with your dog. And then if you, if you see what I think you'll probably see is you see some better results. Try it next time you go golfing, try it next time you go fishing, try it next time you go take your kid to the park, try it with everything that you can, that you can get away with it. Cause I think you'll enjoy it a lot more. It, it isn't always the best to get the most done. Less is sometimes more. And I think with the, with the dogs, I think um, my buddy told me, and I, I'm beating the hell out of this saying, he told I, one of the dogs that I trained recently, um, I did very little with. And I was explaining it to him. I said, man, I haven't done much with them. But everything we've done, we've done really well. And the dog, I mean, it was one of my, one of my favorite dogs in 20 years. And he said, yeah, don't do, le don't do more, do less, better. That's, what right. you, that's, that's all you did with that dog is you just didn't do a lot, but everything you did, you did really well. 
And I said, I need to do that with every dog. Don't do more, do less, better. I like it. On. I like it. <clears throat> yeah. And that's something I learned from the Dutch guys is they told me that uh, the dog works better in a calm mind. And if I'm not in a calm mind, the dog's not in a calm mind. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, Jeremy, I, I mean, you have, um, you know, really, really resonated a lot of things today. Um, I like the analogies. I'm going to change my, my vocabulary a little bit because of this. Um, I like the part of raising <clears throat> training or just segments. And that's exactly right. It's a five minute segment here. It's a 20 minute here. Um, that's not all we do with the dog. So yeah, I, I like it. It's a yeah. mindset mindset thing. As yep. soon as you change your mindset, <clears throat> it becomes, it just becomes normal. It, it, yeah. It'll be a little bit it, for some of the people that are listening. It'll be awkward to start out. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be a hard, there's a little uncomfortableness with it. And trust me, that's good. Like, it, I, I try to put myself in, in some positions to be a little uncomfortable at times and then figure out how to get it. And then once you get it, uh, it just becomes kind of normal. And as long as they're the right things, you're, you're, you're doing, you're, you're pushing yourself down the kind of the right road. And that's, that's all I'm trying to do is, is just improve. I got so much, I have so much Heath, I have so much to learn and so mm -hmm. much more stuff that I, the more I dig into, I realize just how little I know. But well, but once and when you're uncomfortable, you're you're that's when the growth process takes place. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on here, and and, and we didn't even get into the shed. Maybe we'll come back and yeah. approach that some other time. Cause I sure. really want to learn that process because yeah. um, as my retirement is getting closer, that's something that. I've kind of got, I don't say it's a bucket list, but it's a, it's a thing that I'm very interested in and taking a dog and training it for that. So that's yeah. on my to-do list. So I, I, maybe we can come back and revisit that if you'll do sure. that. It's a whole nother can of worms, man. I'd love to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. thank you so much for spending the time with us today. And thank you for helping us teach, train and learn. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. <laughs>